All right. One day, three pastors were talking, and their conversations turned to, you know, they're talking shop, so it turned to their favorite translations of the Bible. So one pastor said, well, I, I my favorite is the King James. I prefer the King James Version. It's, you know, it's eloquent, you know, its use of the English language is just so poetic. So by far, my favorite version is the King James. The second pastor said, well, I prefer the New International Version, the NIV. It's just easy to understand. It's easy to read. It's kind of our terminology. The NIV is my favorite. Well, the third pastor paused for a second, thoughtfully considering, and he said, I like my mother's translation the best. And they thought, and they... You know, they waited for a punchline and no punchline. They're like, well, we didn't know your mother translated the Bible. And he said, absolutely, she did. She translated it into her daily life. And it was through her translation that I came to know Jesus. And so we, we love that and acknowledge that about our moms. That they live the gospel. They live the scripture, their life is just proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. We're beginning a series here starting this week on what's known as the pastoral letters. Um, Paul writing to pastors, and it's 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And it's appropriate that on Mother's Day that we remember two mothers who are mentioned in one of these letters from Paul in 2 Timothy. Today we're going to talk about Lois, who was the grandmother of Timothy, and Eunice, Timothy's mother. I want to honor the heritage given to Timothy because a mother and a grandmother loved him enough to teach him Scripture, to point him to Jesus, and I want to honor the mothers in this place tonight for doing the exact same thing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. Lord, we so desperately need to be in your presence. Just being here in worship and lifting high the name of Jesus, proclaiming Jesus exalted in each one of our lives, Lord. We've already been touched by you, but Lord, we're excited that we get to be fed by you, Lord, that we get to be sharpened in your word and grow. And Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to be with you. And we thank you for our mothers and the mothers that are here, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for the invaluable role that they play in our lives and our families, in our neighborhoods, our community, our cities, our state, our country, our world. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're gonna we're gonna be reading from Second Timothy, and uh, I want to start off with a passage from chapter one. So Second Timothy two or Second Timothy one, two through five in the NIV. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. 
Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now also lives in you, now lives in you also. In the coming weeks, we'll spend a lot of time going through Paul's letters. Specifically, Paul's letters to Timothy. And I'm excited to do it. And I'm excited that the Lord just coincided this where that we get to, to begin this series with the emphasis on moms. Tonight, we will be focusing our attention on the two people that we mentioned, Eunice and Lois. Paul's grandmother and mother. In the Bible... Paul mentions Timothy as a co-sender of six of his letters. He spoke highly of Timothy in his letter to the Philippians. And Paul was so confident of Timothy's faith that in his first letter to Timothy, he called him my true son in the faith. Paul never married. Paul never had any kids. So this is actually a really big honor when, when Paul speaks of Timothy in this way. And in Paul's final letter to Timothy, written near the end of his life, he speaks with urgency and without reservation, calling Timothy, my beloved son. For Timothy was truly a part of Paul's heritage. He became a part of Paul's heritage. Let's read in Acts to find out a little bit more about Timothy and how he became the godly man that he did. Acts chapter 16, 1 and 2. Paul came to Derby. And then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. We see that Timothy's father was Greek. We also see that Timothy's father is never mentioned in the word. We see that Timothy's mother is Jewish and that she is a believer, but we see that her name is mentioned. Listed in scripture. Her name, Eunice. We don't have to guess at who Eunice was influenced by when it came to her beliefs, when it came to her faith. Because once again, the scripture lists that out. And her name was Lois. So Lois was Eunice's mom. Eunice was Timothy's mom. So Lois was Timothy's, put it together, put it together, grandma. So Lois was Eunice's mom. All right. We'll, we'll, get, we'll just circle back a few times. So we, we're not, we, have, we need to acknowledge that relationship because it's very important. Timothy is the first example in the New Testament we see of, he's the first third generation believer in the New Testament. You know, we, we see it in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, in the, in the New Testament church, Timothy is the first third generation believer. Lois, Eunice, Timothy. That's a pretty cool fact. Lois taught her child Eunice about Jesus and Eunice taught her child Timothy about Jesus and pointed Timothy to him. In that scripture that we read, Paul is basically talking to Timothy and he says, Timothy, I know your grandma and her faith is authentic. Her faith is true. 
And it is the same genuine and authentic faith that I've also seen in your mama. And by faith, I believe that now we're seeing that that same authentic realness and genuineness is in you. Now, as I was reading this, you know, sometimes my mind drifts and it kind of wanders. And this time was one of them. And so as I'm reading this, I'm like, this is really like the first instance of your mama in the Bible. You know, the, you know, he's talking about your mama. But see, here's the thing. Your mama didn't start off as a dig. I mean, there was, you know, your mama is so genuine that she's like a really godly woman. You know, I mean, that was supposed to be like a good thing, like, apparently, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so I don't know where it went bad. But anyways, Timothy, I know your grandma. Her faith is the real deal. Timothy, I know your mom. Her faith is authentic and genuine. And I see you. I see the man that you are. And he gives credit to these two women in his life. That's an amazing thing. You know how many people in the Bible did good things and never got mentioned? But Paul takes the time to honor these women. It's a pretty cool thing. To describe the faith that he saw in Timothy as a result of the upbringing and the teaching Paul uses a word. It's anapakritos. Anapakritos. It's close enough. Which literally means without hypocrisy. When he talked about the faith she had, Lois, Eunice, Paul, he says, the faith that you display is without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy, it is real. It is genuine. There's nothing fake or or two-faced or phony about it. It's the real deal. Genuine. True. Authentic. Sounds a lot like our moms as well. Genuine. True. The real deal. Authentic. What higher praise or greater tribute could be given to any mother or grandmother in this place on this Mother's Day than to say, because of you, because of your life, because of your example, because of your work, you gave me authentic faith. You provided me with an example of authentic faith. Faith, authentic belief. Mothers are molders and makers. Every day. Each of us can remember the things that our moms did for us when we were little. Moms, you're well aware of the little things you do every day for your kids. If you have little ones, Sending them off for school. The things you do to make sure that they're sent off with with blessing and with joy and with a good attitude and maybe a little corruption, you know, cor- correction to make sure that that their thoughts and their attitudes and their hearts are in the right state. Moms, you know, you're aware of this. Men, we're aware of this. I mean, we don't do that. Not like not like you do. We're barely, you know, we're lucky if we scratch the surface in doing those things. Like, kid, get out of here. You got two minutes to hit the bus. Go. I, yeah, I love you too. Go, 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 go. 
The things you do are thoughtful. The things you do are real and genuine and they just flow from you. Timothy's every day was molded by his grandmother, by his mother. And Paul reminds Timothy of this. He reminds him that he has been taught a faith that will guarantee his success. Taught a faith that will guarantee his success. The sincere faith transmitted to him by his mother and grandmother. Paul also reminds Timothy of gifts that have been given to him. Power, love, self-discipline, self-confidence, endurance. 2 Timothy 1, 6-8 says this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Son of God gave us, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. It is God who gives these gifts. These gifts listed in this passage, it is God who gives these. But question, where do children learn that these gifts are available to us? So many times it's from mothers and grandmothers. Where do children learn of God's power or the power of love or the power of self-control? Where do they learn to be confident in who God has made them? Where do they learn that with, with God's strength you can overcome any hardship, in a, any difficulty? Where do children learn these things if not from their mothers? The word says, how will they hear if no one tells them? How will they hear if no one tells them? How will people hear the good news if no one tells them? So I want to say this specifically to to our children. God has these incredible gifts for them. God has these incredible ways for them. God has this incredible plan. And mothers, we commend you today because no one teaches our kids of these ways of the Lord quite like you. We do it too as fathers, but the love that you do it with teaches them about God's love. The ways that you make them feel as you're teaching the children teaches them and demonstrates to them the lesson of how to be loved. Two key components in having a right and godly and whole relationship with God. Amen? Think for a moment what each one of us learned from our own moms. It was them who taught each one of us what it means to be the person that we are. How did Eunice and Lois prepare Timothy to exercise self-control? To have the kind of self-confidence that allows one to put to use the power of the Spirit to love and to be loved. Paul reminds Timothy that they did it by making known to him the Holy Scriptures from the time of his infancy. 2 Timothy three, fifteen and 17 says this, 
Paul's still talking to Timothy. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Friends, we need to take note. Scripture is perhaps God's most powerful tool in influencing children's lives for good. A lot of times we take lightly Scripture. We think it'll go over their head. You know what? You can read the Word over your baby as it lays in the bed. And then... And it ministers to them. It influences them. It prophesies over them. It speaks to them. They don't have to be able to grasp it. Because the the Word of God is power and is life and is truth. How important to the lives of our children and grandchildren is the learning of Scripture? Let's read this passage one more time. The one we just read. And listen to it this time with the context of parenting and teaching children. So the same passage, 6 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17. That last part. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. This is talking about Scriptures and the things it does. When, when, when we share Scripture with the kids, it corrects them. It lets them see what is right and wrong. Isn't that a beautiful thing? We think the burden of correction lies on us. No, that the Word of God contains that power. It brings correction and, and, and rebuke and life and instruction. And it's life. It's all good. Paul is saying these these areas are just a few of the reasons why it's important that our children and our grandchildren learn the Bible from their parents and their grandparents. How powerful is the teaching of Scripture in the lives of our children? Let's look, look at Timothy. It's powerful enough to turn a child into a world-changing leader with a message that doesn't just impact an area but a message that impacts generations because of the teaching of of Lois and Eunice and the ministry of Timothy and where he's impacted us here today lands and distances and ages and generations later Take just for a second, think about your child and God using your children in a way that could impact generations. Not just their school, not just their city, but generations. It's not just mothers who want this for their kids, it's fathers too. 
Parents, how do we do this? Teaching them Scripture is a big part of that. Raising them in the Scripture is a big part of that. Mothers, I do have a challenge for you. Do you want your sons and daughters to survive in that hardened, jaded, corrupt world we live in? Full of sin and death and self-centered living? Then teach our children the Word. Point them to Jesus at a young age. I love Dr. Seuss. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. The Grinch. Green eggs and ham. I had green eggs when I was in California, by the way. It was a Dr. Seuss-themed one-year-old birthday party. They were okay. It was, it was kind of weird eating green eggs. I'm not going to lie. So I love kids' books. I love... But it doesn't take the place of reading Scripture. Read them both. I'm not saying you got to be like, you know, Nazi mom. And it's like, no, yet. You know, we only, you know, we only read, uh, you know, read them both. You know, we, but we're not to neglect reading scripture to our kids. We'll be amazed at the things that they grasp. Not, not because we taught them necessarily but because that's what the Word of God does. It brings things to life and it stirs things with them and it makes them come alive. Mothers, grandmothers, dads, grandpas, uncles, aunts, all of us. When we impart faith, it's okay to be simple in our use of the Scripture. We don't have to be, you don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to explain it even. But reading it over them, including them in it, which, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, adults, that means that we actually have to read the Word, that we actually have to spend time in the Word, and we can include our kids in it. When I sit down to read the Word, and, you know, I'm lead pastor. I don't sit down to cover ground. When I spend time in the Word, I don't do it to cover ground. I never have a goal in mind. I'm going to read 29 chapters today. Boom! Because my buddy down the street, that pastor, he only read 26. Ha oh, ha! I'm three chapters better. You know? We don't do it to, to cover ground. I don't, we don't do it to, to for, it's not distance running. I say, if I, if I don't get past this first couple verses, but I get life from it, Man, I'll sit and read it. I spent hours reading five chapters. I mean, hours. When we were in Estes Park recently, and I'm like, man, I'll have five chapters. And I just, I kept circling back, and I'm like, it's, this is phenomenal. Just, I was getting so fed. And five, and they're not like long chapters. They were, but we need to be spending time with God. Men, women, moms, dads, single. It doesn't matter. We need to be spending time in His Word. When we impart that faith, we use it to teach, rebuke, correct, and train in righteousness. To train in righteousness is what one of the translations says for this passage. What does that mean? 
It means to be taught how to maintain a right relationship with God. To be trained in righteousness. To teach them how to have a right relationship with God. We need to teach our kids what it means to have a right relationship with God. We need to demonstrate what it is to have a right relationship with God. But we need to talk and communicate with them what that means. Kids, when you're hurting, you can come to Jesus and you can just talk to Him. You don't have to have an elaborate prayer. You can just talk to Him like you're talking to me. And then just take a second and listen. Let me, let me show you how to hear from God. Let's open up His Word, because this is the easiest way to hear from God. So let's just open up the Bible. And let's just read that. And when you're done reading, let's talk about it. Let's see if God spoke anything to you. Because all this that He has, He's speaking to you. So let's, let's see what you get. We instruct our kids to do those things. Training for righteousness takes place when we consistently and purposefully impart scriptural knowledge. And it takes place when young people continually hear that the most important thing in life is to have and to keep a right relationship with Christ. That they understand that's the most important thing. And it is the most important thing. Paul recognized that Timothy from a young age had been grounded in godly living by his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. How cool is this? Once again, just one of those cool things that's been in time with the word. You get these little nuggets. The word grandmother, which is used in this passage, that first passage I read, it's Strong's G3125. Mame. It really is. It's Mame and it means grandmother. This word is only used one time in the entire Bible. And we read the instance. It's used one time. And it's used in this instance. The name Lois, the name Eunice, mentioned one time in this passage. But it was done so in a way to remind us the importance that moms play, that grandmothers play in our lives, in our community, in our hearts. Everything we know about these two women is contained in one verse. But that one verse is a living memorial to mothers and grandmothers and it will endure until the Lord returns. So I've given thought to a few actions that we can do. If you are a parent or grandparent, so, you know, it's Mother's Day, so I say a mother or grandmother, but it's really for any of us. If you're a parent or a grandparent, here's what you can do that will make a difference in the life of your children and grandchildren. Sit down with your children and grandchildren. Or if they live in another state, write them a letter. Tell them in great detail why you have put your trust in Jesus Christ. Tell them why it is important for them to have a relationship with Jesus. Tell them the expectations you have of them. 
Tell them the passage of Scripture that has been most meaningful in your life and tell them why. So that's that's the challenge I issue to parents. You want to start laying a heritage for your kids? Start telling them why, why Jesus matters to you. Why He's important to you. Why He's number one in your life. It's a good thing to do. If you are a son or a daughter and your mother still lives, go beyond just sending a Mother's Day card. Hallmark cards are great and we should be sending Hallmark cards. But go beyond that. Go see your mom or call her and tell your mother about your faith and the part that she played in your faith. The part that she played in bringing you to Jesus. Tell her how you thank God that she imparted into you the gift of faith and for introducing you to Jesus. Wouldn't that be better than the cart? Moms, would that be better than the cart? Not the flowers, maybe, but the cart, yes. (laughs) Still got to give the flowers, too. If your mother has already passed, then go to God in prayer and thank Him for all the good things that your mom did. For all the ways that she loved you and touched you. And just take a moment and give Him thanks. To all the mothers in this place tonight, thank you. Thank you for translating the Word of God into your lives and the ways that you have shared it, the ways you've presented it, and the ways that you've demonstrated it. And thank you for the the loving ways that you've done it, that no man is capable of doing it quite like a mom. It's interesting how we can know more about the love of the Father from that gentle love that we've seen demonstrated and received from our mothers. Let's pray.